Part 7 of The Birth of Professional Rugby League in Australia Selections from the Sydney Morning Herald 1907-1908 This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. News from England, the All Blacks Tour 13th of September 1907 to 10th of January 1908 Friday, 13th of September 1907 Professional Rugby Players Disqualified At Wednesday night's meeting of the Metropolitan Rugby Union, all the players who took part in the matches against the New Zealand professional team were disqualified, and also the Marrickville team, which played the early match, in one of the engagements. These players cannot play with any club affiliated to the Metropolitan Union. They are not disqualified for life or for any term, but simply disqualified. The removal of these disqualifications can only be effected through the English Rugby Union. The names of those first-grade players who have incurred the above penalty are C. Headley, E. Fry, F. Cheadle, Brown, H. Messenger, A. Devereux, J. Stunts, L. Dalpuget, A. Holloway, H. Pierce, W. Can, H. Glanville, J. Abercrombie, H. Hamill, H. Brackenrig, R. Mabel, R. Graves, A. S. Hennessy, P. Moyer, A. Dobbs, E. Courtney, A. Rosenfeld. The committee of the Metropolitan Union held an inquiry which extended over two nights and gave every player an opportunity to show cause. Monday, 16th of September, 1907. Football, Rugby, St. George Club. Mr. Carruthers on professionalism. At a meeting of the St. George Football Club, Mr. J. H. Clayton presiding, on the motion of Mr. W. Logan, a vote of confidence in the Metropolitan Rugby Union was carried. The Premier, Mr. Carruthers, wrote stating that he was not in favour of professionalism, but he thought the men ought to get their out-of-pocket expenses. He strongly advised the lads to stick to pure amateurism. Mr. H. D. Wood, and Mr. J. McMahon were also present, and delivered short addresses. Wednesday, 25th of September, 1907. Football Dinner. The annual dinner of the Manly District Football Club took place on 21st inst. The chairman, Alderman E. W. Quirk, referred to the newly formed Football League. As far as the Manly Club was concerned, professionalism would not be tolerated, Mr. Adam Ogilvie responded. He felt certain the Manly Club would always remain loyal to the rugby union and never associate with professionalism. He thanked the New South Wales Union and Metropolitan Union for the treatment meted out to the Manly Club during the past season. Saturday, 5th of October, 1907 Rugby in the North of England In the course of a letter from Mr. Alexander, Manchester, to his brother, Mr. W. A. Alexander, Vice-President of the New South Wales Amateur Athletic Association. The game played by the professionals in the north of England is thus described. The Northern Union teams play 13 men aside. The placings are as follows. One full-back, four three-quarter-backs, two half-backs, six forwards. The men play the ball game. That is, when a man is held, no scrimmage takes place, but no matter in what position that man is, on his back, head, or anywhere else, he has to kick the ball to put it in play again. 
this is not always an easy matter for him nor a very gentle process either then there is no throw-in from touch the ball is scrimmaged among the men five yards from the line thus no advantage results from the ceaseless kicking out of bounds pursued by the players of the amateur union's game if you can understand the above short description of the chief features of the game you will readily see that the ball is always in play big fat beefy beer-barrelled forwards are no use now at this game they have to be fast so the new zealanders will have to put forward their best efforts to win also they will find the professionals a very different lot to those the amateur clubs met during their previous and last visits twenty sixth of october nineteen hundred and seven sport in england from our special correspondent football london september the twentieth the football season opened on saturday last and all over england the grounds were crowded with spectators it is not generally known in australia how comparatively small a part rugby plays here i attended the most important rugby fixture of the day and found it witnessed by some three thousand spectators in many places throughout england the newspapers recorded attendances of thirty thousand for the british association game and ten to fifteen thousand was quite the ordinary attendance football organization here is of considerable interest especially in view of the news of alarms and excursions that has reached us this week from sydney the association game is very largely a professional business and competition games are played every day the amateur element of the association has this year broken away from the parent authority and a new amateur association has been successfully launched in the case of rugby the professional element is confined to the teams of the northern union chiefly yorkshire clubs and so keenly is amateurism in favour among all other governing bodies of england wales scotland and ireland that the powerful welsh union has been unanimously applauded for its drastic action of last week by which several clubs and some individual players were incontinently disqualified and expelled for conduct that savoured of professionalism wales is amateur to a man a fact which is all the more significant because the great majority of the players are of the working class and could easily better themselves financially by joining the professional ranks little interest is evinced here in the forthcoming professional tour of the new zealand team some strange statements concerning the team's doings in australia have been appearing in the london press and it is apparent that the men are expected to be identical with those of the all blacks recently in sydney some surprise and possibly disappointment would thus appear to be in store for those who are thus anticipating in any case in view of the very limited area to which professional rugby is confined here it will be advisable for the new south wales newly organised professionals to be very sure of their ground before embarking upon their suggested tour of the north of england next year friday fifteenth of november nineteen hundred and seven professional all blacks opening match messenger in brilliant form files by the english mail contain reports of the first match of their english tour played by the professional all-black team against bramley whom they defeated by twenty-five points to six rugby enthusiasts here will be pleased to learn that messenger registered the first score of the tour by kicking a penalty goal and also got the first try which he converted altogether he kicked five goals tries were also scored by tyler too smith and wrigley 
In its comments on the match, the London sportsman said, It is to be presumed that the team chosen by the New Zealanders for the opening match represented what would be called their best side. It included four of the original all-black team, G. W. Smith, D. McGregor, W. Mackerel and W. Johnson, and in addition the Australian crack, H. H. Messenger, was included. Bramley relied purely upon their club team, and in the first half of the match came out of the ordeal with very considerable credit. At half-time, the home side had really had the better of the game, and but for Messenger's brilliant goal-kicking, the All Blacks would not have been ahead at that period. As it was, they only claimed a four-point lead at the interval, the result of two goals kicked by Messenger. Each side had also scored two tries. In this latter connection, it is worth recalling the fact that when the original All Blacks were here two years ago, a goal was scored in their opening match, but several weeks elapsed before their line had been crossed. Yesterday, in the present team's opening game, Sedgwick, a squarely built right-wing three-quarter, got through their defence twice, and on each occasion, moreover, did so rather easily. In the first part of the game, the All Blacks adopted the policy of playing five forwards against six, with Tyler as an outside man. These tactics did not pay at all, if one may judge from the frequency with which Bramley got possession of the ball. In the second half, Tyler went more frequently into the pack, and some rather better scrummaging was seen. It is perhaps difficult, or it might be even unfair, to form a comparison of the all-round capabilities of the present combination as compared with their predecessors from New Zealand. The conditions are different, not only in the rules, which bristle with technicalities, but also in the reduction of the forwards from eight to six. There is no doubt that this reduction, by restricting cohesive movements in the scrummage, tends to lessen the openings for organised attacks by the backs, such as rugby men are accustomed to in the orthodox code and such as we saw from Gallagher's famous team two years ago. In this sense, comparison is, as we have said, difficult, and may even be misleading. There is one point, however, upon which an opinion can be expressed without hesitation, and that is, that on the form of the All Blacks yesterday, they are, as a body, not so fast as the original team, while their passing was nothing like so polished or frequent. Only one really fine round of passing was seen yesterday, and even then the finishing touch was wanting. Smith seems to have lost none of his pace, and he and Messenger received considerable attention from their opponents yesterday, as they probably will do in many of their remaining matches. Thursday, 31st of October, 1907 Rugby League Financial Matters The New South Wales Rugby Football League has at length completed its constitution. Most of the clauses are just what would be drawn up for the control of any athletic body. The most important clauses are those controlling the finances of the league and the clubs. Some of them are all metropolitan district clubs playing competition matches to receive, after paying ground percentage and wages, 33 and a third percent of the net proceeds, and the league to receive 33 and a third percent, the league to pay all advertisements and referees' fees. This only applies to first-grade matches, excepting the final match of the first-grade competition. The final match of first-grade competition, 33.3% of the net proceeds, to be devoted to the hospitals, and the balance to the assurance fund. 
any member hurt and incapacitated and prevented from following his usual occupation shall receive all medical aid medicine and two pounds per week until fit to follow his usual occupation the maximum time for receiving benefit shall be sixteen weeks should any player be permanently injured the matter may be brought before the committee and such steps may be taken as the circumstances warrant district clubs shall supply playing members with uniforms free of cost any player playing interstate or international matches in the commonwealth and the dominion of new zealand under the direction of the new south wales rfl will receive seven shillings and sixpence per day for personal expenses outside the state and five shillings per day within the state and may receive ten shillings per day sundays not included for loss of time or salary in international matches beyond the commonwealth of australia and the dominion of new zealand on the termination of the tour the surplus if any after defraying all expenses such as steam affairs railway fares hotel account meaning board and residence football costumes shall be divided between the new south wales rugby football league and each member of the team including the manager any playing member of any club playing metropolitan district football under the direction of the new south wales league will be reimbursed for his actual loss of time while playing football only payments not to exceed ten shillings per day and such payment to be made by his club thursday fifth of december nineteen hundred and seven new zealand footballers a candid critic london december the third the Times says the New Zealand professional footballers have not been careful to keep in good condition, and that the financial success of the tour seems to have demoralised some of them. The newspaper expresses the opinion that it is highly probable a majority of members of the team will accept engagements with teams of the Northern Rugby Union. Monday, 23rd of December, 1907. Professional Rugby. Australian team for England leaves in august it was cabled recently from london that the times had stated that the financial success of the tour of the new zealand footballers was demoralizing some of the members of the team since that message was received private letters and cables have been received in new zealand and sydney in support of the statement regarding the remarkable support the undertaking was receiving from the people of the north of england it was thought when the team left that as its operations would be limited to a comparatively small portion of england the public would get tired of seeing it play and as a consequence the undertaking would probably end in failure quite the reverse has happened the financial outcome is quite beyond the anticipations even of the promoters such a report must strike a heavy blow at amateur rugby in australia and new zealand perhaps in england and south africa towards the end of last season the new south wales rugby football league was formed and the secretary mr j j giltonen early in the movement entered into correspondence with mr j platt secretary of the english northern rugby union and raised hopes that a new south wales team would visit england next football season apparently it required only a successful issue of the present tour to settle the matter on Saturday, Mr. Giltonen received a cable message from Mr. Platt inviting the New South Wales League team to visit England during the English 1908 season under similar conditions to the present All Blacks tour. Prior to the departure of the New Zealanders, 
the English Northern Union lodged £3,000 as a guarantee to cover expenses, and, in addition, the team was to receive 70% of the takings. Each member of the team put in £50. Those who did not have it were charged 20% for the loan of it, the interest going into the general account. The constitution recently drawn up by the New South Wales League covers undertakings such as that proposed for next season. In view of the invitation from England, it is intended to send an Australian team in the coming August. A month later, the New South Wales Rugby Union will send a combination to England under the invitation of the English Rugby Union. In view of the fact that the tour through the north of England has resulted so well from a pecuniary point of view, it is possible the New South Wales organisers will get together a strong team, though one perhaps not representative of Australia. The prospect of a trip with a substantial cheque at the finish is a bait many may be prepared to accept. Footballers will have the option of going with one team as professionals or with another as amateurs. There is, however, a possible consequence of the clash of the two teams which cannot be overlooked. The famous MCC would not send a cricket eleven to Australia last year because of the trouble then existing among the Board of Control, the Melbourne Club and the leading players. The English Rugby Union may take a similar view and advise the postponement of the visit of the team of the New South Wales Union. Looking at the matter fairly and squarely, the professional movement is a serious menace to amateur football. The fear of failure kept some of the leading New Zealanders from joining the trip to England. Now its possibilities of profit are known, the next New Zealand professional combination will be much stronger. The Australian team will probably be chosen in July. Tuesday, 24th of December, 1907. Amateur Rugby, the English Tour. In the opinion of several officials of the New South Wales Rugby Union, the proposed visit of a professional team to the north of England will not in any way affect the amateur team invited by the English Rugby Union to tour Great Britain. The New South Wales Union is satisfied that all the leading players of last season will remain loyal to the governing body. The team to visit England will leave in August or September and will be chosen about July. It is not yet decided whether the combination will be New South Wales or Australian. The Council is considering the question of increased allowances to players. The New South Wales Rugby Union expects shortly to hear what the programme of fixtures for the tour is. A conference was recently held by representatives of the English, Scottish, Irish and Welsh unions, and Mr J. H. S. MacArthur, the representative of the New South Wales Rugby Union, was present. The programme of matches is expected to be the outcome of such conference. Wednesday, 25th of December, 1907. Amateur rugby, trip to England assured, increased allowances. Following upon the receipt of cable messages that a professional team would visit England and that the English Rugby Union had decided to dispatch a team to New Zealand, came yesterday afternoon the news by cable to Mr W. W. Hill, Secretary of the New South Wales Rugby Union, that England and Wales had approved the tour in 1908 throughout Great Britain of a New South Wales or an Australian team. Ireland and Scotland, it is understood, had already decided in favour of the tour. It was stated in yesterday's issue that a conference between representatives of the British unions was being held and a cabled communication was shortly expected. 
it was also stated that the new south wales team was confident the tour would take place the cable message received by mr hill sets all doubt at rest the secretary of the new south wales rugby union is of the opinion that the team will come back via america and probably receive increased allowances naturally the rugby union officials are highly pleased over the receipt of the information that the trip is assured especially in view of the fact that an australian professional combination has been invited to tour the north of england in the same year it is possible that the british combination to visit new zealand in april will come to australia and play a few matches and the british and australian or new south wales teams as the case may be will travel to england together friday third of january nineteen hundred and eight rugby football wales defeats new zealand london january the first wales three tries nine points defeated the new zealand professional football team one goal two tries eight points today the new zealanders led at half time by eight points to three there was an exciting struggle in the second half wales obtaining the winning try just on time the scottish rugby union does not support the trip of a british team to new zealand on the ground that it is likely indirectly to strengthen the professional movement friday tenth of january nineteen hundred and eight new zealand footballers defeated by cumberland london january the eighth cumberland scored three goals five tries against the new zealand professional rugby football teams three goals one try cumberland pressed the game during all the first half scoring fifteen points to nil End of part 7